Movies entertain. Entertainment leads to emotions. Those emotions connect us to our enjoyment of film. And that is why we exist, to focus more on the emotional connection than the technical merit. Because every movie makes us feel something. Hey everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Feeling Film Podcast. I'm Patch, and with me, buckled in and ready to drive a charger down an exploding dam, is my friend and co-host Aaron. Zoom, zoom. Let's go. <laughs> trying to picture you doing that, and I'm laughing and also celebrating, because that would be fun to watch. Your death would not be fun to watch, but it would be fun to watch. You no, know, but it, I wouldn't die if it's anything like this movie true, series. True, true. If you're to in worry the franchise and you're part of the <laughs> Just, family... Even if you I'm die, good. you're probably coming back in some subsequent <laughs> entry. <laughs> well, this week we checked out the latest in the unofficial Fast and Furious saga. And I say unofficial because in the feel and film universe, the last official film was Seven with the departure of Paul Walker. The subsequent entries have basically given us superhero-esque stories. And with that, a mental shift in how Aaron and I enjoy them. Did we enjoy this latest entry? Well, this is your official spoiler warning that we will be talking in detail about it. So, fasten your seatbelts, and let's race, uh, or rather, talk. And I had to throw that pun in there. I know people who talk who are reviewing this movie are probably throwing that in there because it's been a pun that's been thrown around since the announcement of this entry. And so I have no apologies to include it in our podcast since it's a dad joke and we're dad joke people. Horrible mistake not to just straight up call this movie that, especially with the level of self-awareness in this movie. You really should have just gone all the way. And I, yeah, I am absolutely in agreement with you. I think that this is this is where we're at in the franchise. And, uh, you know, <laughs> so here we go. <laughs> all right. Let's talk a little bit about opening thoughts. I know that when the last couple of entries rolled through, we had Fate of the Furious, which definitely felt more like Mission Impossible and 007 type stuff. Then we got into Fast 9, which quite literally took us to space at one point. I was really kind of like, are we really going to cover anything else? Can we just stop? Because you get to a point of being like, okay, haha, funny. I can't defend this franchise any more than I already have. I have to definitely tell people who are like eye rolling at this franchise and say, listen, first seven. And when I say first seven, it just makes me feel a little bit dumber because I'm like, it took seven movies to to defend. But I still stand by that. You still stand by that. And we will continue to do that. But we continue to go back into the theater. We continue to watch these movies that seem to get bigger by the budget, bigger by the effects, bigger by the set pieces. And I really wanted to enjoy this movie so before i give my thoughts aaron tell me about yours going into this and then coming out all right this might take a second i will try to keep it somewhat condensed but i went into this i rewatched fast nine whatever it's actually called before this viewing i came out of fast nine very down on the series eight was i think probably our collective least favorite up until that point. And nine, I remembered not liking. I rewatched it. I enjoyed it more. I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. And when I say I enjoyed it quite a bit, I have to state that I mean I enjoyed eight and nine both relatively more. I like or have fun and have enough fun with this series because of its characters now that I'm okay with the BS and the stupidity. I can tolerate it. What I discovered, Patrick, after watching Fast 10 and then coming out of it, having a really good time, the, the crowd was high energy, there was a lot of laughter. I reviewed it pretty middle of the road but positive because i felt that they went all the way in on being self-aware now like they started it in fast nine with the whole tyrese joking as roman tyrese joking about like how they were superheroes and invincible he was you saying it in the dialogue and this one they just just completely abandoned any and all semblance of trying to be realistic and so i think that that was the natural conclusion for where they were heading and instead of trying to balance things and try to walk both lines it was much better to just do it this way that being said even though i enjoyed it in the moment i have found that in the 
nearly two weeks now since I've seen this movie. I have thought about it or or thought about it positively less and less. And I have forgotten pretty much everything about the plot beats of the movie. And even having watched Fast 9 just a few weeks ago, I couldn't even tell you the plot beats hardly of that movie either. And so I'm starting to wonder where I'm really at with this. I don't have any desire to rewatch anything past seven in our canon anymore. And so it's weird because I went in there, Patrick, and I had fun. (laughs) I came out of the movie and I was like, that was a really dumb movie. But it was an energetic, fine night at the movies. But, But there's zero stakes anymore to me. And... Nothing about the characters has gotten better. Every single character, to me, gets worse and worse and worse. And the only thing that saved this movie, and I think everybody who sees it will say the same thing, is that Jason Momoa walks into it as a villain, right? And his performance singularly makes this thing worth watching. But that really sucks, because I used to be into this franchise for the family, And now it's such a joke and the movie is so much making fun of itself and asking you to, I said this in our FF review, I feel like instead of asking you to laugh with with it, the franchise is now asking you to laugh at it. And I'm conflicted, man. I'm conflicted on whether that is good filmmaking because it's achieving its intended result or whether that's just really actual bad filmmaking and I'm giving it a pass because I have a history with the franchise. There's my opening rant. So I don't even know what you think of it. I hope I haven't swayed you in any way. No, you haven't. And and I I was one of these guys that um, (laughs) I, I watched Fast Five because I knew that it was connected back to that. And it was a smart move. Fast Five is clearly what I would call the best in the franchise. It's the one that I remember the most in terms of set pieces, in terms of introductions of new characters and villains and things like that. It was the first time we got to see The Rock in the franchise. And it's interesting, Aaron, because when I think about four, four is forgettable. And I don't mean that in a bad way. So I'm going to say this flat out. Anything with Paul Walker in it in the franchise is good. Okay. Three is good because of its the way that it retcons Han. And it's a fun movie to watch if you watch it in the canon order, like if you watch it after five or six or whatever. But it's interesting because four, I don't remember much, but it introduces a couple of new characters. I think it introduces Gal Gadot in that one. And then six, I don't remember much of. I think it's the one with the car flying across buildings in Dubai, maybe. Or maybe that's seven. See, that's six thing. is the never ending runway and Letty's memory. Is it? Because yeah, I because thought... Letty's gone in five. Oh, that's that's, that's right. The, that's the that's weird right. thing about it is the best yeah. movie in the franchise that everybody doesn't agrees have Letty yeah. doesn't have Michelle Rodriguez in it. Yeah. And I don't want to make this about a recap of all the movies. So what I'm getting to is there are movies that are forgettable in the franchise, not because they're bad, but because they blend and because there's a consistency in tone, there's a consistency in action. And yes, it ups every every entry, but it seems to do so in a way that makes sense to the franchise. And when we talk about that drop off, because of the fact that we love Paul Walker, Paul Walker is not the franchise. I'm going to say that right now. He's not the franchise. The family is the franchise. This ensemble cast is the franchise. He is a significant part because he helped start it. In terms of his character, he is a through line, just like Vin Diesel's character is for the most part, with the exception of uh, of Tokyo Drift, where he comes in at the end and all that good stuff. So his his departure makes the subsequent films really weird because we, we talk about this quite a bit when we talk about the franchise. Where is Paul Walker? Where is this character that's alive, Brian O'Connor, with his kids? He is, and I'm saying this very tongue-in-cheek, he was nowhere to be found in this movie, Aaron, and yet his wife was showing up. And it's that it's that sort of self-awareness that I think causes me to dismiss these next films because of what you're talking about, that 
self-awareness that leads to a self-deprecation that leads to a, oh yeah, they're the joke at the party. They think they're being the funny people. They think they're being the the dopes and they're self-aware, but really they are the joke and nobody wants them at the party. And so when I watch these movies, I think that watching nine specifically where I was frustrated with, although I had a good time, is that eight and nine and even 10 to an extent are just reasons to introduce new characters. So case in point, you bring in Jacob, you bring in John Cena because he's a big action star. And this is basically becoming now a WWE movie because all your former WWE stars are rocking and rolling. And now he's dead, apparently. We'll get into that. So what was the point? What was the point of having him in the movie in 9, except to introduce him only to have him leave? Just bring somebody else in. Just invent some other character or some other person that's going to feel like a like a guardian over this kid and have him die. So I just it's stuff like that that doesn't make sense. Because when you introduce a character and you spend a whole movie developing a character, a.k.a. Jacob's character in Fast 9, to make him a good guy only to kill him off, apparently, it's very, very frustrating because it's like, I don't really care at this point who dies or who lives because everybody's going to live. I mean, bring Vince back, for goodness sake. If you're going to bring characters back, if you're not <laughs> going to have them die, Vince is a great character to bring bring back. I mean, if you're not going to, I mean, his his death was phenomenal in terms of like the stakes and the weight and everything, how that happened. Fast five, again, the way that that happened. Go ahead and bring him back because you have no respect for these characters enough to let a sleeping dog lie. And I'm specifically speaking about Gal Gadot. Great seeing her. She's a beautiful woman and she's going to be a lot of fun in the second entry of 50. Uh, And the fact is, I'm going to like seeing her on screen and she's going to have some fun stuff. And I'm going to be thinking in the back of my head, why? Why? She fell off a plane. How did she survive that? And right. it's it's that kind of stuff that I can enjoy in the moment with you. And it becomes essentially a forgettable mo- movie that is popcorn fodder. It's like, I'm going to eat my popcorn, drink my Coke, and then I'm going to leave the theater and I'm going to go hang out with my buds because I needed to cover this for the show. These are not movies that I'm like excited about. Like There's a slew of movies that I'm looking forward to this summer. There's The Flash, maybe, if, if it's ever going to come out. And then there's Transformers. And then there's these other big solid, unfortunate IP driven property you know, movies, but they're going to have more value to me because they're going to feel like self-contained stories or at least taking themselves serious enough that they're not going to feel like they're a cash grab. And that's what I think we're experiencing here is Vin Diesel has said, this is a cash grab. This is the Jurassic. This is the other universal property that is not called Jurassic something that people will come back for because it's big dumb fun and nobody cares except us <laughs> and that's well, why we're so pissed about it <laughs> i mean everybody yeah that's the that's the problem like isn't that the problem everybody's yeah. going to the movie we're all paying our money or whatever we're doing but we're all seeing it even the people that are going knowingly into it hating it and they're going to talk about it and trash it but they still went and they still saw it. They're still engaging with the art. And this is where Hollywood gets us. And this is where this franchise and others that won't end and others that these Disney remakes and things like that, not that they can't be good every once in a while, but that's where we happens is we are all sheep and we just keep doing it. And so why would they stop? And I agree with you. It is no longer about good storytelling. It is about Vin Diesel's ego and cash. And his ego is has single-handedly, I think, written this franchise into the ground, which is sad. But you look at his beef with The Rock. I'm not taking sides in that, but the fact that he lets it happen, the fact that he's making ultimatums as well. And this film, to me, felt like the peak of that. You know, when this movie started, it was Justin Lin again, who... I thought, okay, we always have a shot if Justin Lin's in charge. Justin Lin left the production in the middle of this movie. And there was really not anything specifically said about why other than there were some conflicts. I believe it's because of it going this far off. How do you d- come back from going to space? And and I think that is part of the problem. Like the movie saw the fans joking constantly about what are you gonna do go to space eventually and so they were like 
the fans are writing our movie. This is what the fans want. So this is what we'll make. That's not how you tell stories. <laughs> that is not good actual storytelling. That is just feeding people Easter eggs and references to give them a quick hit of dopamine. And as fun as that part of that movie was, the plot point of Fast 9 to get to space was horrible. Like the way that they actually create, like bringing back Lucas Black for that and Twinkie, like it was the most awful integration. It was the worst part of that movie for me, honestly, even though I love the moments in space <laughs> with Roman and Tej. So it's like this push and pull, right? So anyway, I think we get to this movie and there is no, how do you bring stakes when you've literally gone to space and back? And yeah, you can't. I, you can't. <laughs> But this is where this is one of the high points for me that I thought the movie did well is it br literally brought it back to Earth and it attempted to. And in some ways, from for me in the moment, did a really good job. Everything was practical, like the, the bomb as again, we have to we, we cannot apologize more for the bombasticness of this franchise. It's just big and fun and, and everything is just crazy. You can do the same thing. I mean, we should call this the next Mission Impossible or the next 007. If you put 007 somewhere in this title or Mission Impossible somewhere in this title, you forgive all the craziness because that's what happens in these movies. If the Mission Impossible, if Mission Impossible, the next entry had a big giant one ton bomb rolling through Rome at some point, we would not blink an eye at it. Why? Because it makes sense for that universe. And I think that it's okay for it to make sense here. Because of the fact that we've already done all those things. We've gone to space. We've hijacked the submarine. We've put bombs on tanks and things like that. I mean, these are they're just big set pieces that I, I'm looking forward to seeing. What I liked about this, Aaron, was the fact that we did sort of get back to that grounded nature with that big set piece. And as someone who's the crotchety old man, I've taken that moniker on. Long movie times frustrate me. Some of these action set pieces should have been you know, pared down a little bit take a little bit too long but i loved some of the stunt work i loved the the motorcycle the fact that we get letty doing that cool thing it's in the trailer but she's like hopping over the the guardrail and and then we get the you know the sequence on the bridge and we get or the on the highway with the helicopter again something we saw in the trailer but i think that even like the street race coming back like that was something that i thought was smart and effective Again, it was introducing a new character, a new member of the family, as we find out. But I liked that we saw a street race. I liked that we sort of got to that. We knew that it couldn't be about the street race. It couldn't be about going back to Rio and saying, it's all going to come down to Reyes' kid Dante facing off against Dominic Toretto. It was a means to an end. But I liked that we got there because that was what we liked about the originals. And I think that kind of scene reminded me this movie can still have moments of pre seven fast and furious and still be big. And I, I think that that's a, that's a strength of this one. The last movie just felt all over the place. I felt like the integration of the characters and the reintroduction of, of characters that we already know in this entry was a lot more well thought out. It felt a lot more fluid because it made sense when we see them, made sense when they show up. When I see Lucas Black, and I love Lucas Black, he's a fantastic actor, I love him and most of the things that he's in, but seeing him in Fast 9 was like an eyesore, and it was like, we're just throwing these guys in there because, you know what, we haven't seen them in a while, we need to bring them back. Well, you've got 85 new members of your family, or an old members of your family, so how are you going to bring that into, into play? And I thought the 10th entry held its own with the characters that it used in a certain capacity. The problem with that many characters is you have to give them all certain amounts of screen time, certain lines, and there's people get lost. That's just the bottom line. Yeah, they do. And as much as I think it worked somewhat, you know, even the fact that they tied this to Fast Five, to me, is another symbol of not knowing how to write a good movie you're retelling the beginning of fast five from this new perspective with CGI'd in Jason Momoa into the scenes. And it, so that's one thing that bothered me about this one is just that it looks like crap the whole time. I don't believe they were ever actually in Rome. Everything looks like it's like CGI'd car races on top of streets and, and it just never felt at all 
like practical hardly but they so they go with the five like retread and the point while dante works as a character his backstory is shoehorned in there to attach this movie to the one movie that everybody universally loves it's like we need to feed off of that energy that people like that so we got to bring that one back right but yes i liked some of the new like i like alan richson a lot i I love that guy as an actor i think he did a good job even if his heel turn is completely weird and makes no sense because we have no context for why that would happen yet in this movie just ends in the middle of it it's a weird complete cliffhanger movie Uh, But I liked his performance. I thought it was fun to see Brie Larson in the universe. I love her, but I felt like she was completely underused. Like she just showed up like maybe one or two days on set. And I've even seen scenes of like her behind a green screen, standing on a car and staring into a camera and just, you know, rubbing her foot into the ground. And those things came out to me in the scenes. Like it was obvious that they weren't actually acting with each other. And there was no emotional attachment to them. The one part that worked for me big time, Patrick, and I think really saved the movie experience from being completely brain dead was I actually love John Cena. (laughs) So I thought that his scenes with Dom's son, Brian, which I knew his name off the top of my head. Just call him B. Well, I know it's it's little little B. B. I'm saying I wish I could say the actor's name off the top of my head. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. But I thought that their chemistry and their relationship and every time that they were on screen together was a top highlight of the movie for me. I thought that one tiny little subplot or whatever of the movie was great from start to finish. And I even, as crazy as it looked, like, I need Jason, not Jason, I need Jacob to stay dead because that is the only time we got stakes because he sacrifices himself for for a little B. And it was beautiful. It was overly melodramatic like every other scene in this movie. And it doesn't work in nine out of ten of them, I think. But it worked in that one for me. Uh, I just thought that that was something they finally got right. And, you know, it's kind of a bummer that it's the character that died. <laughs> the one character that maybe seemingly is actually finally dead. Like you said, like we get him to come, we, we get him in and then we're just going to shuffle him right back out or something. But I just do want to give it praise for that. Well, I do, too, until he comes back. And then I'll just, you know, throw my proverbial middle finger at the franchise and say, why can't you have somebody stay dead? Why do you have to continuously bring people back? Because it speaks on a smaller scale. Well, it does two things. One, it it blows your budget <laughs> because every time you bring a celebrity, a big name star back to the big screen, like a Gal Gadot or a John Cena, you're paying those people. And I'm like, if you're talking about getting dollars, if you're being honest, beyond ego, and you're trying to boost the budget, if I'm Vin Diesel, my ego is saying John Cena stays dead. <laughs> Gal Gadot stays dead because we don't need them. And I say that very, very respectfully to the characters because they had their time in the sun and because their deaths mattered. Their deaths mattered. The moment you bring him back, the moment you bring her back, the moment you'll you'll bring Vince back because Vince is not dead. He's somewhere. It's just not going to matter because every explosion that leads to someone's apparent death is just me going, okay, we'll see you in the next entry at some point because you're hidden under a cave. Like when the C5 exploded. Like when it goes down in the background at the very end, I chuckled like and I'm I was in the theater with like five other people because it was early in the morning. I did. But as I, well. I went I went like that. No because, one believes that because no nobody believes, believes that. that coming back. I mean, you cannot. And I say this because the franchise is this way. You can't kill off Tej and Roman and Han. You can't do it. You well, can de- definitely not like that. Like off no. screen? Yeah. <laughs> what are you kidding me? Like you wanting me to believe that insult? It, I felt insulted in that moment. Yeah. I'll be honest. Yeah, I mean, don't cause the explosion. Cause the you know, cause the thing to get hit, and then have it go off screen. But don't let it explode, because what's going to happen? I'm I'm predicting it right now. The next entry is going to obviously show what happened. They're going to be getting in their cars. They're going to see it's going down, and you got uh, you got Shaw. And Han and Tej and Roman are kind of 
have banter. You know, Shaw's going to say something like really British and really, you know, terrible like this. And then Han's going to be eating his chips. I'm like, I think we should get in the cars, guys. And they're going to fly out and have this great big stunt piece. And we're going to look, yeah, they lived. And they're like, yeah, of course they did. Let's just see the cars fly to the ground and not get hurt at all. And again, it's just, it's one of those things where you suspend your disbelief to a point. But when you have an ensemble cast and when you're framing it around family, you have to lose family in order to be able to value that family. And this is what I'm scared of, Aaron. I'm scared of the fact that if you're so, if you're, if you're apparently killing people off screen, there's going to be a line of dialogue. Mia's going to come up to Dom at some point in the next entry and like, I can't believe what just happened. Dante has killed Paul or excuse me. He's, he's killed Brian. <laughs> it's going to happen. I don't Brian's believe gonna, I don't think so. I think he's the Brian's, untouchable. I think he's the one untouchable. Then he's the most, he's the biggest eyesore because well, they I'm put thinking, him in the movie. They put him I in know, this movie with dialogue. I, I was like, stop it. Stop <laughs> so, it. I know. It's just, I get that it's a product. You can't bring someone, literally bring something back, someone back from the dead, an actor. I, I just, I find it very difficult that in a universe that prides itself on everybody staying together and protecting and this like that, the one guy who's probably coaching a soccer team, he can't make it the biggest mission on the planet. He's sending his wife to do it, who in the very beginning was not part of any of this. Like Fast Five, again, one of the great lines in Fast Five is when Vince says, um, what kind of family are we? You brought the buster in who you didn't believe me when I said he was a cop. Look where we are, and now you bring Mia into this. And I'm not saying Mia is not a strong character. She is. But she had nothing to do here. All she had to do was hang out at a barbecue and then get the signal that the psycho, Dante, is coming after her. So she's like, deuces, got to go back to Paul, got to go back to, to Brian and the family, wherever they're living. And it's just, I think the cast is too big. It's absolutely too big. And when we get that, that racing scene, which I found very visually appealing. It definitely called back with the obligatory booties and all that stuff and the hip hop and everything. And we get the reveal that the girl is the sister of Elena, Isabel. I'm like, okay, why not? Let's just, you know, lose one, win one, lose one, gain one. But I'm like, what are you going to do with her in the next movie? What, do you, what, what are you going to do with all these characters? By the end of the franchise, Aaron, one out of every five people is going to be a member of this family in the planet on the planet i mean yeah basically yeah it's just it's a it's a multi-level marketing campaign that if if you become a member of the family you gotta recruit like 10 people to become a member of this family and then they recruit 10 people ponzi scheme and then yeah it's a ponzi (laughs) scheme it's the it's the fast and furious ponzi scheme and i i jokingly say that but the stakes get a lot lower because I don't spend time with all these characters and they might be fun on the screen for a couple of minutes, but then they get killed off. And I'm like, why should I care? They're just red shirts at this point. And it, what it does for me is it diminishes the value of that theme because that's what you and I gravitate towards this idea of a core group of five or six folks. Um, And in five, that's where the magic was. You had this core group that didn't have any extraneous like tentacle family members attached to it it was about this core group and i can't remember the characters the the two i think puerto rican guys that <laughs> you know, uh one of them's like you, you always so negative man i miss those guys obviously the actors probably didn't want to come back and they weren't major characters but they were part of that group and they all had a purpose that's where i think we're lost here is it made it difficult for me to watch and say okay well what's the purpose of shaw what's the purpose of you know Tej or or Isabel at this point what's what's their point besides just being connected to Dom in some way shape or form I didn't really know and I didn't really care I was just watching it for the fun at this point yes and the whole thing kicks off with Cypher suddenly being friends now it's like oh the enemy yeah. is my enemy <laughs> is my enemy or whatever it is I forget yeah. is my friend and there's this whole thing and she's like oh there he's coming for you and so now she's teaming up with them. It, it, it is absolutely asinine. Like she has been the most supervillainous of supervillains for three movies or two movies. And all of a sudden now it just flips in a heartbeat. Right. And it she has nothing to do in this either a, at all. Uh, she's just there to get set up for future movies, I guess. 
And it is. It's just stretched so thin that nobody gets enough time to feel like there's any meaningful character development. And that's partly because they don't know how to craft it anymore. And partly because there's just too many people, even if they did know how, I don't know how they'd be very successful. And it gets annoying. The saving grace was the villain. Like I don't, I think this would have been a situation where I almost was completely out. If the villain was a, a couple notches below this in quality, but he's so funny. He's so watchable. He's so eccentric. Jason Momoa fits so perfectly in this world as this wacky character that is truly just trying to rain down chaos on them. And I think that's what makes it somewhat work is that he is he says it over and over and over. I'm not trying to end you yet. Like I just want you to suffer. And so you at least have given yourself a true written narrative reason to stretch this stupid thing out for two or three more movies because he doesn't want to end everything in that first moment. He is just trying to constantly hurt you because he wants to take out your family piece by piece by piece until Dom is left. Well, Dom and Hobbs are left to pay singly for his dad's death or whatever. Yeah. Like I actually understood his character motivation. Mm -hmm. All the criticisms I have are not gone, but like it actually made sense. And his actions were enjoyable as heck to watch. And it, at least anytime he was on screen, I, I always knew that when the movie was going to come back to him in the like kind of parts that were like, Oh, we're okay. We're just spinning our wheels, just going through like two minutes with some other characters so we can get, I knew we were going to get back to Jason Momoa. And so I was excited about that. And I'm glad that he's not gone because he is going to carry this thing out through the end of it. Hopefully God willing. Um, I would love for it just to end after two and not do a third one. Like Vin Diesel tease, like, please, please, please put it out of our, you know, our misery. But like, he felt, I hate to use the comparison of Thanos. He's nothing like Thanos, like actually, but it is somewhat like the Infinity War and Endgame scenario of the Fast family. Nowhere near that yeah. equality, but it's a similar yeah. situation. We are hurtling yeah. towards the end. Yeah. And I think that's what we're hoping for is we're hoping for some stakes. We're hoping for some death here. I mean, who's gonna, who's going to be left standing when all this is over? And I completely agree. Dante's character is phenomenal in this. The moment that cinched it for me, that I kind of went, oh my God. You know, Sistine Chapel blowing up, that's one thing. You know, cool, whatever. And just how he's so matter of fact about everything. But the moment that cinched it for me was him painting toenails on these dead dudes and then leaving. Like, okay, I was like, okay, now we're hitting into Heath Ledger's joke. That was the, really, yeah, that was the this, over the top moment. That yeah. was just, yeah, but it tells us that he's just, he's gone off the rails. Like, he is, he is not just getting revenge. Like, he is hurt. There's, a, there's psychological hurt here that we're not going to explore because that's not the, this is not the franchise to do that. But it puts him in a position where he can take these guys down beyond just an action adventure movie like he has psychological warfare going for him the ability to connect the ability to however he does it god's eye or whatever but the ability to stay connected and two steps ahead of all these different characters i think is great i loved his introduction when cypher is talking about how he basically manipulated all the soldiers by telling them all hey i've got your kids and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is like Anakin Skywalker. He's going to kill kids. This is what's going to happen. And it, it really set the stage for this kind of character that I see visually in the trailer. And I'm like, oh, cool. He's like a little like Jamaican dude. And he's just like lots of fun. One, he doesn't have a Puerto Rican accent. And Brazilian. So he must, yeah, you know, not even close. Off. Yeah. And he doesn't need to. He does not need to because his culture is not what he's trying to build off of it's about he wants to take down dom and hobbs and that's the other thing that i was thinking about before the mid credit scene showed up i was like uh you know dom didn't do this okay dom stole your money in one of the most amazing chase sequences 
on screen, but he didn't kill your dad. That was this other guy. And then we get the reveal moment. And that was another moment. I was like, okay, that's fine. Go ahead. Apparently there was a feud and maybe that feud was a big PR stunt that they didn't have a feud. I don't know. Or maybe Dom was like, listen, in order to make this work, we got to bring you back because it's not going to make sense. (laughs) Well, I heard this and I can't remember who else said it first. So I would give credit if I could, but think about this. The two characters coming back just got fired by DC. Both of their franchises tanked. They no longer have anything else like that. So the rock was banking on black Adam and he was going to, he had put all his eggs in that basket and he was going to make it this big deal. And then it, Freaking bombed. Gal Gadot doesn't get asked to come back as Wonder Woman. They got to do something in the franchise. And I think that that part probably plays into this, honestly, where it's like, well, we're free now. (laughs) Uh, So can we get a little bit of that? And I mean, frankly, I'm glad. I think as much as I love the original movies, even before oh, I love all four before the rock showed up, but I think him coming back will help to infuse this with some more energy that it needs and him with and against Momoa is what I'm more excited about in a finale than I am anything emotional at this point. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we we had our emotional moment in seven, as we've said, like that. That's it. That's perfect. That ending was was perfect. And so now I actually like, you keep saying people need to die, which I I'm, I keep giggling because you sound so terrible, like awful when you say it. You're like, Crouchy we need death. Please <laughs> kill so these terrible. characters that we supposedly love. But yeah. at this point, they're just toys to us, too, because they're treating them like toys. So who cares? Like, yeah, murder them all like. Let let them go down in flames, you know. Uh, I don't know. That's my soundbite for our uh, for, for our pool quote. Murder Lil, them all. <laughs> we'll be in a corona. That's all yeah. that's going to be left. <laughs> yeah. You can have any death in this movie as long as they're drinking a corona. Like, yeah, that'd be Vin Diesel. I think that when I when I finish off this movie, I like that we're getting. I guess the I feel like this movie borrows from a lot. And it's borrowing, obviously, from Endgame and Infinity War. Like, okay, oh, what's going to happen? And it definitely feels very elementary. Like, it feels like a short film version pulling from, okay, this this worked once. Let's see if it works again. But in a franchise that's not going to be um, as widely, like, game-changeable. Like, the, the end of this franchise is not going to feel as weighted as the first half because it's so long. And, you know someone who def- I don't know anybody who defends this besides us and we don't even defend it holistically but if somebody were they might be- make the argument well look at the you know look at the MCU and all the movies they did say yeah because there was a lot of thought that went into each one of them to bring them all together these are just sort of at this point sling you know gunslinging movies that are like let's bring you back and here's the thing one of the things i struggle with is that the formula has started to become this the enemy in movie X becomes the friend in movie Y. The enemy in movie Y. So what I don't want to happen is for Dante to be like, hey, everything's cool. You killed my dad and you kind of ruined my life and I ruined yours. It's not going to happen. I think he's going to have to die or something's going to have to happen to him because we can't just keep doing this. It doesn't make sense. And it's, again, it lowers the, st- like, lose your family. Yeah. <laughs> stop what i did like though in terms of how this movie ended is i liked the little twist with ames didn't quite trust him because he was a little bit of a toot in terms of like you know badgering and whatnot and i I think that's kind of cool he's got it tells me that dante has the ability to manipulate pretty much anybody he can a little bit of trivia here ames played by is alan richter correct alan richson richardson sorry yeah he and Jason Momoa have a common role in the character of Aquaman. So yes, he they pl- do. That's right. He, he played off when I saw him, That's I was true. like, Hey, look, Aquaman's going to take on Aquaman at this point. And then when they joined forces, I was like, well, that, that beats all you've got two underwater, uh, Royal people that are going to just, you know, take on the world together. So good for them. Arthur Curry and Arthur Curry. 
that's pretty funny. I'd forgotten about that. That's yeah. pretty that was before he was quite that jacked, actually. Uh, dude, he, he, dude. He, didn't, he, he was swole. Yeah, he is, I mean, yeah. he was big then, but he's not this big. You no, know? he he was he is definitely like American Gladiator swole at this point, like just ready to just chew somebody with his hand or something. I think that you know we will get the slow play up to Jason Momoa as the final villain now being killed off. I, you know they'll have to go through Ames, so Ames will have to die first. I will not be surprised at all, and if I had to predict, I'd almost put money down that Cipher will flip back and betray them in some way shape or form before it's over i don't think she'll stay a friend an ally through the end of this so i but i hope i mean there's i've said i hope a lot in the last several years when they keep making these movies and they just don't listen to my hopes so maybe maybe we're wrong and i'm trying to think of who else is out there like that's a giant person that could become their new version of Jason Momoa but as much as he's been highly praised in the aftermath of this film even by the people that don't like the movie I think they would be remiss to mess that up and they'll just let it go with him all the way to the end but yeah it's it's such a mixed bag for me I do still like the creativity of the set pieces even if i don't love the execution because i thought that it was really janky and just so unrealistic that it it's hard for me to fully give myself over to enjoyment i i kind of disagree i got i don't think they would ever do that ping pong ball thing in mission impossible it's way over the top it's just it's too they might have a bomb planted in the vatican that somehow ethan hunt needs to get to and do one thing to to make it go away, but it would not roll through Rome in Mission Impossible, bouncing off of cars, and it just, it was it's so, it's so stupid, it's so bad, it's funny. Like, people say that all the time, like, it's so bad, it's good, and I used to rage against that, but this may be an example of it. It, it is so bad, it's kind of good, because it you just have to, you just give up trying to care. But, like, the moment when that thing swings around, and, I mean, you see it coming, and you're like, oh my gosh, the crane. The, I know exactly what's... Yeah. You can yeah. imagine it because you've been a kid that has played with your toys before and that's what they're doing. And so on that level, it's entertaining. The whole like yeah. hooking the cars together, hooking the helicopters together and like driving and then smashing them together. Totally ridiculous, but it looked super cool. The whole like... Will be flying out of the car from car to car, which we've done multiple. Like, it, but it's filmed in such a way that is so self-aware of how stupid it is, and yet I'm just I'm shaking my head, but I'm grinning at the same time I'm watching it. And I that's why I say I'm so conflicted. I don't want to praise this movie. I don't feel like it deserves that, but I also can't deny my reaction to it when I was watching it once. Once, one time, I'm giving it once. It's a it's a one time watch for me for sure, yeah. and I think it it's an in the moment movie where in the moment it satisfies pretty much every theater experience box that you need to check, and once you leave the theater, it's on to the next thing. This is not a movie that you're going to be thinking, man, I got to watch this every summer, or man, this is one of the bigger blockbusters of the of the two thousands, and I we've said this in general about movies that they don't have to be those things. But in, I think for us, our frustration is centered on the fact that it comes from a place where the franchise was thoughtful and it had a lot of action and it was big and it was all fitting in this world where everything about it was that you could have set pieces that were exciting and somewhat off the wall, but not lose the impact of the characters that are portrayed here and their loss or their the stakes that are there. You know, when when people die or when when someone falls over a cliff or something like that, I mean, it's it's fun to watch and it's really exciting, but because of the investment that we have from previous films, there is a little bit of you that goes, Oh gosh, I hope they don't. Okay, and they didn't, great. And so by the time we get to five, six, and seven, we are losing characters. We are either they leave, like Han leaves 
and dies. Not really. In in the third entry slash sixth entry. And then you have Gal Gadot's character who dies. And that death, that loss leads to Han that's pre that's that's set up from four on. Like they keep talking about, yeah, well maybe we should go to London or maybe we should go here. And they're like, no, I like Japan. I like Tokyo. And it's just it's it's a pre you know it's coming because you've seen the movie and all of the, those first seven movies were just so well thought out, even when you retcon something. It felt like, okay, we want to fit this in. We don't want this to just be a one-off because it really started finding its footing back with four. And then five was like the, yes, we're here. So the challenge that I think we face as fans, Aaron, is the fact that that eight, nine, and 10 feel a little bit like self-contained stories about the adventures of Dom and family. And so we know that nothing bad is going to happen to them. The only connection we have is that Jacob showed up and his origin existed. His his entrance was in the previous film and that Cyphers was in the entry prior to that. If I already knew that, if I didn't have that knowledge, I would have felt like, okay, cool. Like nothing they did per se in the, in this entry felt like I needed to care about what happened in fate or what happened in nine. I just really enjoyed the movie for what it is. And I think that's okay. I think it's absolutely fine to be able to enjoy a movie in and of itself. So I think my final thought here is going to be that if this movie existed without any previous entries, I think it would have been a pretty good action movie. Like I think it would have made a lot of fun stuff happen. And we're like, cool. This is like a two part of a two-part movie where we get introduced these characters and the bad guy as a self-contained two-parter or three-parter, I think it works. But in connection to all these other movies that preceded it, it just falls off the cliff. And I think that that's, that's a detriment to IPs because I think these movies can exist. Like Olympus has fallen, the fallen movies. I think those work because they're a trilogy because it's just this one guy who's living out three different adventures. Indiana Jones, the same way. You can watch Temple of Doom, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Last Crusade, any order you want. They don't connect to each other. And that's why they work. Indy is the, is the, is the key. Now, they work for other reasons. I'm Until not now. That's the only reason. Because I would yes. almost guarantee you that Indy is going to link back in some way. I agree. And what I hope will happen is that the movie itself can stand on its own without all these callbacks to previous movies where you have to bring back the arc, you have to bring back short round, yeah, yeah, whatever. I mean, I know it's not going to happen. That's where I think action adventure movies thrive or die, ride or die, I guess. <laughs> that you have yeah. Mission Impossible, which you've let me know and reminded me that we've only covered one. We need to rectify that at some point. Ethan hunts the through line, but it's his crew from three on that help make the movie franchise work because they all fit and they're not growing by leaps and bounds in population. You might add one here and there, but it's always been the core four or the core five or whatever. And that's what makes the franchise work is Ethan Hunt's your action star. He's the anchor, but all these adventures can happen without necessarily connecting back to previous entries. Now the last couple, yes, there's a little bit more of that because as you get deeper into franchises, you have to make those connections. And that's what I think the, the Furious franchise suffers from is too many connections back to the past, which make it a little less digestible each time. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I don't think Mission Impossible does that. It's it is continuing. It's continuing to tell a single story. It is not stopping what it's doing in its track to do the Fast and Furious thing. Where oh, we're gonna go back now. We're at ten. Let's make a sequel to five. <laughs> like right because you liked that one, you know and. It's just it's such a unique franchise that this has become and all franchises. I don't know. I, I'm burning out on them. I burned out on the MCU and now it's starting to turn into franchise burnout. And I I hate that. But we have just we are inundated with IP constantly. And so those movies that are coming out this year that are not IP related, I find myself getting more and more excited for those in a bigger way than I do number eight, number nine, number seven, <laughs> number 10 in these franchises that literally just will not die. 
because they're cash cows. Yeah. Even when I love them, even when I love them like Avatar or whatever the case may be, you know, there's always going to be hits. I I complain about the MCU all day long, but we get a, we get a Spider-Man No Way Home sometimes. And that's awesome. So, ah, I don't know. We'll see where this goes. Hopefully yeah. people die. Like you said, let's end it with that. Hopefully people die. That is our official position <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> Stamp it. It's, it is official. Well, let's get excited about next week. We are covering You Hurt My Feelings. <laughs> Speaking of people getting hurt or dying. <laughs> the way that that ties in. Let's get yeah. excited about hurting feelings yeah <laughs> i have not seen this and i hope you die <laughs> i mean like this is we're terrible people <laughs> look we're we're now the feeling film blunt podcast like our feelings are blunt is what this is we are covering you hurt my feelings <laughs> because i didn't want to cover the little mermaid that's how bad i am <laughs> i would rather cover a movie called you hurt my feelings than to dip into a live action remake of a of a great disney movie so i'm just gonna put it right there in the in the public face and say i'm the bad guy here so yeah i i don't know what it's about but i trust aaron and it's an independent film so that's something to be excited about and hopefully it will live up to his expectations on on my end too all right that's gonna do it for this edition of feeling film aaron thanks for another great conversation and we'll talk soon Hey everyone, thanks again for listening. If you enjoy the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. These help increase visibility for the show and grow our community of listeners like you. We also invite you to connect with us further by joining our ever-growing Facebook discussion group. A link to that is in the show notes, or you can just search on Facebook and find us that way. If you'd like to continue the conversation with me, you can follow the show on Twitter, at FeelinFilm or connect with me in the Facebook group. I'm very active in both places and would love to chat. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me at Shoeless Patch on both Facebook and Twitter. Be sure to tag me in any comments so that I'll be notified and not miss you. Once again, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Until then, stay positive. And keep feeling filmed.